You're listening to Under One Roof, a Covenant House Vancouver production. Under One Roof is your opportunity to hear conversations with subject matter experts on a variety of social justice and public policy issues. Covenant House Vancouver is dedicated to serving all youth with absolute respect and unconditional love, helping youth experiencing homelessness and protecting and safeguarding all youth in need. Please note that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the board, management, or staff here at Cover House Vancouver. And now, Under One Roof. Welcome to Under One Roof, a Covenant House Vancouver production. My name is Jennifer Hall, and I will be your host for today's episode. This month, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Jamie Tobias. Jamie is a youth worker on the outreach team in Covenant House Vancouver's Community Support Services Program. And today we'll be chatting about some of the challenges that young people experience when they are homeless. Welcome to the program, Jamie. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on today. Just to help us set the tone for listeners and help us get started, I thought maybe you could begin by telling us a bit about yourself, specifically your background and maybe what drew you to Covenant House Vancouver. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So I've been working for Covenant House for over two and a half years now. Um, When I first started working here, I was working in the Male Identified Crisis Program. And then I recently switched in July to the outreach team. I grew up wanting to be a counselor uh, for youth. So working in a place like Covenant House has been an absolute dream. Um, I get to work with youth every single day that are so awesome, so cool, so down to earth. It doesn't even feel like a job. Um, And then I've also had the opportunity to meet some incredible coworkers who I now get to call friends. So I feel really lucky for that. Um, And I graduated with an undergraduate degree in child and youth care from UVic. Great. So now that we we know a little bit about you, maybe you can tell us about the different programs and services offered by our Community Support Services Program, which I know we shorthand, we call that CSS. Yeah. Uh, So we have our drop-in space and that is open uh, from Monday to Friday. Uh, It's open from nine to 12 and from two to five. Um, So when youth come into our drop-in in uh, in the mornings, they have the opportunity to come in and have a really nice hot breakfast, um, do some laundry, access the clothing room, shower, connect with youth workers. Um, We also have a housing worker on our CSS team. His name is Mark. He's really awesome too. And for youth that are looking to find um, housing in the community, he's kind of our go-to person for that. So um, he's also created this program called Rent Smart, uh, which basically teaches youth how to uh, talk to landlords, uh, what they're looking for, kind of when they're renting um, a space, and uh, just kind of gives them the opportunity to advocate for themselves. Um, So that's kind of what the drop-in space is about, just for uh, youth to come in and uh, have their basic needs met, have a sense of community and connect with other youth and youth workers. Uh, My role uh, at CSS is I work on the outreach team. Um, So my role as an outreach worker is to connect with youth um, and build relationships with them. A big part of my job is doing street reach. I'll kind of go into more of what that looks like in a little bit. Uh, My job as an outreach worker, I basically get to take youth to appointments, take them out for coffee and food and support them in advocating for themselves and connect them with other resources. How has the pandemic had an impact on your work and and on the youth that we serve? 
you know, I think it, it's had a huge impact. Who hasn't been impacted by the pandemic? Mm-hmm. It's been an absolute crazy time. You know, I think one thing that I can really say just from working with the youth every day is uh, everyone's kind of mental health has been impacted in one way or another. So I think one thing Covenant House has done a great job of doing is kind of creating that sense of community for the youth and making sure that during the pandemic, we're kind of creating those moments for youth to feel like they had a safe space to come. Um, So making sure we're doing things like lots of activities and always making sure we're having food and, um, you know, access to cooling room and, you know, times where a lot of things were closed, we remained open. So I think a lot of youth found a lot of comfort in coming here. You talked a little bit earlier about the isolation and how, you know, many of us have certainly experienced that during the pandemic. And for the young people we serve, if accessing CSS is their form of community, then obviously that's part of the way that that isolation is is being addressed or, or making sure that the young people don't feel isolated. Maybe you can speak a bit more about that. Yeah. So I think, you know, during this pandemic, a lot of us can agree we, we have felt a lot of isolation during this time. I think for youth being able to come and access our drop-in center or connect with outreach workers in the community, it provided that sense of community. I think we've all kind of been lacking. It provided that comfort. So I know a lot of youth feel so grateful that they get to call drop in somewhere that they get to go every day. And I just feel really lucky to be able to work in a place like this that despite the pandemic going on, that we've been able to keep our space open, our space clean. And um, despite a difficult time, the drop in has been kind of a positive outcome. That's good to hear. And I, I think I heard during this latest really cold spell that you extended hours. What did that look like? Yeah. So um, we kind of have two different drop-in hours throughout the day. So we open from nine to 12 and then we close for about two hours and then we open again from two to five. Um, it's been so cold the past couple of weeks, as we all know, Vancouver is not used to this cold weather. So um, the drop-in remained open uh, for a couple extra hours each night, just for youth to be able to come in and stay warm and just have a couple extra hours to like do what they need to do and just relax. And that's been, yeah, super important during this cold time. You talked a little bit about your role as an outreach worker. And I wonder if you can tell us what a typical shift looks like if there even is such a thing as a typical shift. I know your, your days vary. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I don't think I could say there's such thing as a typical shift as an outreach worker. Every shift looks different. Um, one thing that we do on the outreach team is we do a uh, street reach. Uh, we do this primarily on the downtown east side. Um, so we wear backpacks that um, contain things like sandwiches and juice boxes, uh, harm reduction supplies, naloxone. Uh, depending on the weather, we like carry certain uh, like clothing items. Like right now we would have like toques and mittens, things to keep people warm. And then in the summertime, we kind of swap that out for things like sunscreen and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, when I get in the morning, I, you know, kind of pack my backpack and kind of get ready for the day. And then the day's kind of mine. Um, so I go out and walk the streets. If I meet youth and they need help with things, I, I go and do that, support youth and going to appointments, going to grab a bite to eat all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I really do. I, I feel so grateful to work on the outreach team. Every day is, is so different and kind of unpredictable. And I really, I really like that about the role. It kind of keeps you on your toes. Means that you have to be flexible, I guess, because as you're saying, you know, every day looks different with whatever needs are presented. You have to help the young people meet those needs. So Absolutely. it requires a, 
a great yeah. deal of flexibility. And I can imagine that one of the challenges that you face when trying to form a relationship with a young person is building trust. So can you tell us about some of the ways that you're able to foster the trust necessary to ensure that a young people, a young person feels comfortable speaking hmm. with you? Yeah, I think as youth workers, we all have different ways of connecting with youth, kind of depending on our own strengths. Uh, you know, for some of my coworkers, they're super great on task-related things with the youth. So whether that's helping them, you know, find employment or get connected to income assistance, uh, doing job searches, literally any goal that a youth may have. Um, some youth workers are super great at kind of working on those tasks. And I know for youth, they feel a lot of comfort and support when a youth worker is able to kind of work alongside them on something. It shows that the youth worker really cares for them and, you know, wants to spend time helping them out. For other youth workers like myself, who's not as good with the task stuff, um, I really like to do activities and kind of build relationships that way. Um, go to get food, watch movies, um, do something the youth finds as one of their hobbies. I find that kind of a great way to build trust. But I also think being a youth worker is kind of understanding the reality of working the skill is that relationship building and earning trust isn't really a linear process. You know, there are ups and downs in any relationship and trust can be gained and lost over time. As youth workers, you know, we work with youth through these kind of ups and downs while recognizing that, you know, trauma and attachment can impact their trust. I also just think it's important to recognize that, recognize that building trust can take time and sometimes it doesn't happen. And other times that youth may feel comfortable trusting us with certain aspects of their life and not others. So as you're working with young people and you're building that trust, building relationships, what are some of the things that you often hear from the young people that you're working with about how they found themselves homeless? Uh, I think one thing I've learned through being a youth worker is that youth come and ask for services from all different walks of life and all different situations. There's no youth that's homeless that looks, it doesn't look the same for everyone. Just to mention a few things, I think there's a lot of youth who may find themselves homeless because they have struggles with their mental health and their substance use, and they haven't really been able to receive proper support with that. Youth who identify as LGBTQ2S, uh, youth that have family members who struggle with their own mental health or substance use challenges, youth who are experiencing poverty, youth who are fleeing abusive relationships or situations that are unsafe, and, and um, also youth who come to Canada as refugee as well. So I just think it's so important to kind of be sensitive to youth and their situations, um, you know, take the time to learn why a youth has access or services and how can we make them feel like the most comfortable and safe? Cause it just looks so different for everyone why they've come here. And what are some of the harsh realities that you hear about that youth face while they're on the streets? You know, I think one of the things is youth who are living on the streets experience a ton of isolation. You know, they don't have their friends or family near them and they're, they're kind of dealing with, their stuff on their own. And I think that can be very isolating for a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of youth. Another thing for youth living on the streets is that they often have to carry their belongings with them. They don't have a safe place to store them every night. So they often get their belongings stolen. And I know that can be really difficult. One thing that we have in our drop-in spaces, we have lockers available for youth. So I know youth find that really, really helpful to be able to come and store their belongings here. 
Another thing just to mention is the change of temperature throughout the year, especially right now, like it's so cold outside. So a lot of the shelters are full and there's not many places to stay, uh, which results to a lot of youth staying outside, unfortunately. You know, youth who stay on the streets often don't have access to phones or computers. So they really rely on service providers like us for these opportunities, you know, to connect with family or friends and staff members to get the support they need. And then I think lastly, just kind of having access to like meeting your basic needs, like going to the bathroom, showering, getting clean clothes and food um, can be very difficult. And I think just the overall stigma surrounding people experiencing homelessness as well, and kind of having that shame of accessing services and that shame of being homeless. Sometimes the hardest thing for youth is to like come in and, and admit that they need help. So at Covenant House and as a youth worker, to me, it's really important to just like make sure we're warm and welcoming to everyone because we don't know what someone else is going through. You mentioned that asking for help can be one of the hardest things, you know, and I, I know it can take a long time for a young person to feel comfortable asking for help to get to the point where they have that level of trust and comfort where they they'll come in and ask for help. So can you tell us a little bit about the journey that a young person might follow from meeting someone like you an outreach worker on the street to ultimately coming in to our drop-in center? Totally. I think it really varies. You know, there's some youth who you meet when you're doing outreach that you can tell them about the services that Covenant House offers and they may feel comfortable first time, uh, like kind of accessing those services on their own. Like, so coming to the drop-in, um, other people, we may meet them multiple times on outreach and before they even consider coming back and, and giving drop-in a try. Some I've worked with youth who they would prefer if we came back with them. So they kind of have a familiar face when they come and ask this drop-in. And then there's just some youth who you connect with on outreach that, that don't come to drop-in and that's totally okay too. You know, everyone's coming here for different reasons. So, yeah. So once a young person does feel comfortable coming in to our drop-in center, what can they expect when they arrive? So when a youth comes into our drop-in for the first time, we usually have a youth worker kind of do like an initial orientation with them. So kind of show them around the space and explain laundries and showers and clothing room. And, you know, there's always like really great meals available for them. So, you know, they can kind of have their basic needs met in that way. We always have staff on the floor that they can talk to or help with them on something that they need help with. Um, kind of beyond getting their basic needs met, though, uh, your youth are able to connect with. We have a social worker named uh, Michelle, and she's the social worker for um, our CSS team. Uh, so Michelle is someone that youth can meet with to kind of work on like their goals, whether they may be big or small. Michelle's kind of there to do that. And uh, like I mentioned before, we also have our housing worker, Mark. So he's available to talk to, to youth about housing, different furniture. He helps find youth find furniture all the time. He's an absolute whiz at that. And then we are also lucky enough to have a income assistance worker, Kyle. Uh, he comes in twice a week to our drop-in space and has appointments available for youth who are looking to um, get on income assistance, which we have a lot of youth who are looking to do that. So yeah. And, you know, besides that, we have lots of activities going on in the drop-in. You know, recently we went and saw the new Spider-Man and we do, you know, spa activities and just try to make the most of the time that our drop-in is open. We also are so lucky enough that we're able to, if we see a youth that comes to drop-in who like, maybe they just want to kind of spend time with one youth worker. Sometimes they can just like go out and grab a bite to eat with them and 
kind of just build that connection and relationship. So, yeah. Are youth able to access mental health supports through CSS and through the drop-in Oh, center? yeah, totally. So uh, at Covenant House, we're lucky enough to have our own in-house uh, counseling services. So if youth are wanting to get connected to a counselor here, then we um, were able to do that and kind of put in that referral. Uh, we also work closely with um, the Foundry, so we're able to put a referral for the Foundry as well to access counseling supports. Can you tell us a bit more about the spectrum of youth that you work with in CSS? I know some of them might be housed in our crisis program, for example, or in other places in the city and, and still accessing our services. So maybe you can just give us a sense of the spectrum of young people that we work with yeah, in for CSS. Sure. Yeah, so... Um, you know, we work with, like you said, kind of like a spectrum of youth. So we work with some youth who, um, live in, uh, SROs, which is stands for single resident occupancy. Uh, so there's tons of SROs in the city kind of near where Covenant House is. So we have a lot of youth that are coming to our drop-in to kind of get that sense of community, even though they're living kind of on their own and independently, you know, coming to drop in to get a meal or, uh, we have a food bag pro program once a week so they can get kind of non-perishables or perishable food items. We have youth that stay in our crisis program who are able to come here once a week as well and kind of access our drop-in, access our clothing room. We also have youth that, you know, are just wanting to stay on the streets and that's totally fine. And they can come into drop-in when they feel like, you know, they, they want to connect with staff or do their laundry or shower. Sometimes that's all you feels comfortable with is, you know, coming to drop in every once in a while and kind of living their life, doing their own thing and living elsewhere. So what are some of the barriers that you face as they try to exit homelessness? Well, there are many barriers that I think you face while they're trying to exit homelessness. You know, I, as I previously mentioned, I, I think one of the biggest barriers, there's a lot of stigma attached to homelessness and um, you struggling with mental health and substance use. So I know that can be very difficult, you know, for a lot of youth, it's very hard for them to maintain employment. This might be an area of their life, you know, the fact that they're dealing with homelessness, that they may not feel comfortable being transparent about with employers as they may fear that they might lose their employment because of their situation. As an outreach worker, one of the things that I've definitely learned is that the importance of having ID. We don't realize how valuable having ID is. It's a barrier in itself. You need ID to get ID. And a lot of youth we work with don't, don't have that. You know, without having ID, some youth can't open bank accounts or apply for jobs or get a phone plan. So as an outreach worker, you know, I do this a lot uh, as I take youth to go get ID. I feel really lucky to be able to do that because, you know, getting ID costs money and that Covenant House were able to provide them with that stability of having their ID kind of paid for. I think another barrier too is the cost of living in Vancouver is just so expensive for everybody. But, um, especially for youth who are trying to exit homelessness. So it's fantastic that in downtown Vancouver, we have so many resources available for youth, but oftentimes as a youth worker, I see that, you know, youth become very well connected to supports within the community. And then when it's kind of time to, for them to find housing of their own, they have to look for housing kind of outside of the downtown kind of core because it is so expensive. And oftentimes I kind of see them struggle and feel somewhat isolated. Although there are, 
you know, housing opportunities in the downtown community, there needs to be more. So you're seeing a lot of youth become isolated because there's just not enough. Um, and I think another very important barrier is youth who've just experienced trauma or do experience trauma in their everyday lives. You know, this can make things very difficult for them. And I think I really just want to highlight that for youth that are experiencing homelessness, they experience barriers every day. Um, from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. I think oftentimes as youth workers, we receive a lot of praise for the work that we do, but really people we need to be giving praise for is the youth. You know, as youth workers, we aren't the superheroes. Really, it's the youth that are. So I think as a youth worker, one thing I always try to do is just try to make the youth feel like they're safe and respected and that we really do want to help them. And I think Covenant House and Joplin especially really tries to focus on like meeting basic needs and kind of fostering a sense of community that oftentimes youth that are homeless don't necessarily have. So yeah. Amy, do you have a story that comes to mind that you can share of a young person who maybe connected with a Covenant House outreach worker on the streets while they were experiencing homelessness and who is now living independently? For sure. When I first started on the team about two weeks in, I was just about to head out for my day on outreach and I met a youth in drop-in and she needed support going to the clinic. Um, she had experienced an overdose about two days prior. So she wanted to go to the clinic to kind of get a checkup. Um, since then, I've connected with her almost every week. We have a great relationship. She is absolutely awesome. Um, but one of her goals when I met her, she told me that she really wanted to maintain her sobriety and kind of get into treatment. That's really what her focus was. She's now been in treatment for two months. I just saw her yesterday and she told me that she was selling, celebrating her 90 days of sobriety. So she really wanted to celebrate that. So that's what we did. But uh, I do want to highlight though, that there are so many different ways of measuring success. You know, it's a huge success for youth who are experiencing homelessness and then become housed. Like that's absolutely incredible. But for youth that are experiencing homelessness, I think it's so important to kind of like celebrate the wins in any way that they can. So like for some youth that may look like doing their laundry that day or taking a shower or, you know, getting access to harm reduction supplies or talking to a friend, maybe they hadn't in such a long time. So as a youth worker, I try to just celebrate the successes whenever they come and because they come all the time. And sometimes youth just need a little extra help kind of pointing them out because they are already doing the best that they can and they need to be celebrated for that. So all of these little successes, maybe everyday successes, which on the face of it might seem like small things, celebrating those wins leads to bigger successes down the road. Absolutely. Maybe that's a good point to end on talking about success. And thank you so much for all the work you do, Jamie, with the young people that come to Covenant House. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Under One Roof. And I'd like to thank my guest, Jamie Tobias, for joining me today. If you have feedback on today's episode or suggestions for future topics, please email us at publicaffairs at covenanthousebc.org. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Hall. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Under One Roof, a Covenant House Vancouver production. If you have questions or comments about today's episode, please email us at publicaffairs at covenanthousebc.org. For more information on Covenant House Vancouver or to make a donation, please visit our website at www.covenanthousebc.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.